you are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our throwback review of the 2004 Disney Pixar film, The Incredibles. What's the toughest thing about being a superhero? Trying to live a normal life. Whether it's pumping up. Dinner with the family. Or seeing old friends. Hey, Lucian. Hey, Speedo. Aha. <laughs> uh -huh. You are one distracted guy. Hmm? I know you miss being a hero, and your job is frustrating. I just want you to know how much it means to me that you stay at it anyway. Uh, um, honey? Hello, Mr. Incredible. About the job? We know who you are. Something's happened. We have a new assignment for you. What? Showtime. The supers aren't gone. You can still do great things. Wait, they're saving the world to the men? Super suit? Why do you need to know? I don't think so. Your suit can stretch as far as you can and still retain its shape. Virtually indestructible. Now, machine washable, darling. That's a new feature. listening to the trailer for the 2004 film The Incredibles, and the story is as follows. In this lauded Pixar animated film, married superheroes Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl are forced to assume mundane lives as Bob and Helen Parr after all super-powered activities have been banned by the government. While Mr. Incredible loves his wife and kids, he longs to return to a life of adventure and he gets a chance when summoned to an island to battle an out-of-control robot. Soon, Mr. Incredible is in trouble, and it's up to his family to save him. The film is starring Craig T. Nelson, Holly Hunter, Sarah Val, Spencer Fox, Jason Lee, Samuel L. Jackson, Elizabeth Pena, and Brad Bird himself, who also is the writer and director of this Pixar Disney film. Joining me for this review, I have Will Mavity. Hi, everybody. And also, for the first time ever on a film review here on the Next Best Picture podcast, we have Nicole Ackman. Hi, guys. So this is like a, a funny situation because, technically speaking... <laughs> the Incredibles was up for a poll on uh, Next Best Adaptation, which is a series that we're doing where we review um, basically written works, um, pre-based material that is now going to be adapted into what we assume could be some future best adapted screenplay Oscar contenders for this year. And me being the bright guy that I am, I 
put The Incredibles on the list because you never know. I mean, the first film itself, uh, if I remember correctly, got a nomination for Best Original Screenplay. It stands to reason that the sequel could get Best Adapted Screenplay nomination, so why not? Little did I know that actual books that we are reading for this book club idea um, would not get as many votes as The Incredibles itself. So people really love this movie. People want to hear us talk about it. So here we are. We are basically giving you all a review of the 2004 film The Incredibles in our anticipation for Incredibles 2. (sighs) Complicated, right? (laughs) I made jokes about our fans choosing. I was like, oh, watch them vote for The Incredibles. And then they did. Yeah, I know. Well, they don't they don't fail to ever surprise me. That's for sure. So uh, here we are. I will start off by saying that to be very frank and honest, I did not like The Incredibles the first time that I saw the film. I mean, I liked it, How? but but I didn't like universally love it. And I'll get into reasons why uh, this is only the second time that I have watched The Incredibles. And I just watched it last night. So my details uh, for the film may not be as strong as yours, Will, or yours, Nicole. So I'd love to kick it off to you two first um, for this exclusive Patreon podcast review. And oh, by the way, special shout out to all of our Patreon subscribers out there. You guys are the ones that are making this happen. And we adore and appreciate you wholeheartedly. Thank you for supporting us. Will, let's start off with you. What did you think of The Incredibles? At the time I saw it, and probably still today, The Incredibles is my favorite film Pixar has ever done. Wow! It is a loving tribute to 60s spy films, the classic James Bond. I still remember the original teaser trailer for The Incredibles that came out with Finding Nemo, I believe it was, back in 2003, had... The music, I think, from On Her Majesty's Secret Service in the background. I mean, I the, the Incredibles is a better Watchmen movie than Watchmen is. It's it, it, it takes so much of the charming both 60s and comic book mythology. It just has so much fun tweaking the nose of so many tropes, like pointing out that capes are a bad idea. For example, the characters are so fleshed out and well-rounded and relatable. It's got a clever twist on a villain. The lines are brilliant. But most importantly, like all good Pixar films, it also has an abundance of heart. It is the perfect balance of fun, action, and making you feel. And while it may not be a full-on assault of the tear ducts in the way something like Toy Story 3 is or WALL-E, or up, it is a beautiful, thrilling, engaging film, and I think remains the gold standard for non-gritty superhero films and for Pixar animated films. Okay, very, very cool. Um, Nicole, what about you? What did you think of The Incredibles? <laughs> so I feel like I should like give a disclaimer on this by saying I'm a huge Disney fan, but I've never really cared for Pixar, with a couple of exceptions. Wait, wait, what? Yeah, I'm... <laughs> really? What? I like the Toy Story films. Coco is one of my favorite animated films of all time. But I'm not a big Pixar person. I don't really care for the Pixar animation style. The, like, 3D computer animation doesn't really do it for me in the way that, like, classic Disney animation does. So wait, so wait, does that also trickle into every other movie studio that does 3D animation as well? 
Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> I just... So you basically only like Studio Ghibli. I mean, sometimes I find that, like, the actual, you know, movie and the plot and the cast and everything are enough for me to overlook it, but... Um, this was actually only my second time seeing The Incredibles, because I remember not liking it at all whenever it came out. What is oh, wrong with you people? Yeah, Nicole! <laughs> I am not alone! Why, why didn't you people like it? It's so good! Okay, so I watched it actually this morning, because I wanted it to be very fresh. And it's better than I remembered it, but the, I still don't know that I'll ever watch it again. What? I've seen it like 11 <laughs> times! I I think for one thing, like, I'm not very into the whole superhero genre, so immediately, like, that part of it doesn't really appeal to me personally, but I find parts of it so boring. Um, like, I actually almost fell asleep at one point. <laughs> what? Yeah. Wait a minute, y and you watched it this morning, too. Yeah. So that means you must have woken up, watched it, and then almost fell asleep again. Yeah. <laughs> takes a special exactly. kind of a movie to do that. <laughs> what, what specifically, like, what sections of the movie did, did you feel that happening? See, I think it was some of the parts on whenever um, the, like, Bob slash Mr. Incredible is on the island by himself and the rest of the family is not there yet. I don't like the character of, uh, like, the main character of Mr. Incredible at all. Oh, Wait, why? It, it, like... I find him incredibly annoying just in how self-centered he is. And um, the whole plot line with him and um, what is her, like, superhero name, Mirage or whatever, just makes me, like, somewhat uncomfortable, <laughs> especially in, like, a Disney film. Um, but I don't know. I just, it's also what I had not remembered is how dark it actually is. Like... There's a lot of stuff in it that seems a bit out of place in a children's movie. Oh, see, no, I disagree. I think that it wanted to be dark, and there are some mature themes in here that like, it wanted to touch upon, but because of the confines of the Pixar Disney mold... I feel it couldn't go all the way. And, you know, it's interesting because, Will, you said before, this is a better Watchmen movie than Watchmen. And to a certain extent, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, The Incredibles is a better film than Watchmen, sure. But I still think Watchmen explored the theme of outlawed superheroes in a modern-day society much, much better than The Incredibles did. And I think that's partly because they were able to have that creative freedom to explore such a mature and dark storyline but nicole isn't the whole pixar shtick and to an extent the dreamworks animation shtick that they're going to subtly address adult themes in a way that kids i mean you didn't notice them because you saw it when you were a kid but the, i mean this is i i feel like some of the points you brought up like yes he's a selfish guy but isn't the whole point of the movie that his selfishness and his yearning for the glory days uh, excluding his family is self-destructive and he has to learn to be selfless. And like, I mean, yes, I guess there, there's wink, wink, nudge, nudges at infidelity. And obviously, you know, she comes up and brushes rubble off of them. And it's, it's played in the way you might say, if you found somebody's hair on a shirt, you know, the, the entire, is he back fighting crime again is played? Like, is he back cheating again? I think one of the things that struck me so strange is I had completely forgotten that like, 
part of what sparks their whole downfall is that he's sued by someone who was attempting suicide and he like jumped in and saved them. And that that's one of the like weird dark things to me that like obviously a lot of Pixar films, Disney films explore some more mature themes. Um but like the whole suicide thing caught me off guard. Um if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because for me, you know, and I, I was really trying to hone in more this time around as to why um, I didn't like the film the first time. Because I, honestly, it's been so long since I've seen it, I couldn't remember why I didn't like it, actually. I just knew that I didn't. And so when I was watching it the second time around, I was really trying to focus in on what the film I felt was doing right and what I felt the film wasn't quite clicking for me for and I think a large part of it um, honestly has to do with the concept itself actually and you know Nicole you said before the superhero genre isn't really like you know your area and and that's that's cool I think like for me and it's not so much superhero fatigue I think it's Mm -hmm. just this idea of doing superheroes in a Disney sort of way that appeals to kids that just doesn't appeal to me what did appeal to me and what I did like was I really liked the first half of the movie I loved seeing a postmodern superhero who is stuck in this dead-end job who yearns for the glory days and is trying to also balance um his family life and you know i really really loved all of that actually but when they all do suit up and they do have the action on the island i just a wasn't impressed um from an action standpoint from an animation standpoint b i felt the film's runtime it's almost two hours long and animated films tend to also move at a much quicker pace than live action films do. So it felt like there was a tremendous amount of story and a lot actually happening in this movie. And to a certain extent, by the time we do get to the third act and it is a lot of um, action sequences, it, it felt overwhelming to me. And I honestly started to, yes, indeed get a little bored with it. Um, I do think the commentary though, and also, too, that extends to the film's villain as well. I, I think all of that works the best for me here. Yeah, I think the one thing that does work quite well for me is actually the plotline around Dash and Violet and the idea of these children who know that their parents had these glory days and they know that they have their own powers and they're being told by one parent that they're special for them, being told then, on the other hand, by their other parent that they have to keep them hidden. Um like, I found that part of it more interesting to me. Especially when it manifests later on in the film where um, the mother um, is asking them to use their powers to defend themselves and to stay safe. But they're questioning, but mom, you told us not to use our powers. And it, it, that is very interesting, right? From the child's perspective of, you know, listening to their parents when and when not to do something and understanding the difference of sometimes you have to break the rules in order to survive. Exactly. Um, and I, I think it's, you know, there is that interesting moment where the mom is yelling to Violet to use her powers, use her powers, and she just can't bring herself to. And I think that there's something so interesting in that about the idea that if a superhero doesn't use their powers for long enough, you know, do they lose the ability to do it? And then what that, like, is it a practice makes perfect type thing 
for them. And I, I just find that part of it so much more interesting than the other kind of flip of the plotline that I was like, I got bored in scenes without the kids in them. Oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's just getting bored and without scenes and kids with him. But I do, I will say as much as I love this film, I remember my dad and I talked about it the minute we left the theater. I hope they never make a sequel (laughs) because the best part of the film, I, I will agree is the, the back and forth between parents and kids struggling with this. I mean, it's like, I love seeing what's essentially the 50s house drama, like revolutionary road explored yes. through yes. superheroes. Exactly. And that, that, is, that is so compelling. I mean, that, that is what I like the most of the film. I will admit, if the whole film is basically just the third act, I will be less engaged with the new film. But... I, I think there was so much of that, Nicole. That's that's what I loved. You know, I know. I understand that the action started losing you, but there there is so much to unpack. You know, with conflicting parental expectations, and I mean, everyone can relate to that. Where your 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 mom tells you for years you shouldn't do something, and then suddenly changes her mind, and it's a tough situation. There. I, I feel like these emotions are pretty universal. And you mentioned one of you mentioned the villain a few minutes ago. I think Syndrome's great, and I think he's as relevant as ever because he's a nice commentary on. I think he applies more now to superheroes than he did even 14 years ago because he is the embodiment of toxic fandom. And we're gonna probably piss off some listeners here, but look no further than some of the people who obsess over the DC universe, and to be fair, I guess some people who obsess over the Marvel universe, you know, the, these they get so angry at not getting what they want um, from the, the people who create their superhero idols. Um, I, I think Syndrome, you know, just he, the fact that he's a slighted fan is so compelling. I think it's also a really interesting commentary too, though, on, like, celebrity and you know, especially more and more now with social media and everything, we see so many people who feel that because they, you know, have access to a celebrity online and and whatever, that they know them and that they know everything about them. And so that's what I found, especially in those early interactions, whenever he's, you know, trying to be Incrediboy um, and Mr. Incredible, like that aspect of him thinking that he already knows everything about Mr. Incredible because of what he's seen of him in the spotlight. You know, it's interesting because he doesn't have any superpowers, but yet, um, of course, he's freaking rich and super smart and has all this technology, of course, mm-hmm. to compensate for that, you know. So he that, – that's the thing I, I, I didn't like about it. It, it. I like guys like Lex Luthor. I like guys like mm-hmm. – um, what's, what's his name in uh, Civil War? Zero? Um, oh, Baron Zemo. Zemo, mm. yes. I, I like villains that – don't have any powers whatsoever and also simultaneously don't use like the technology to make them fly and give them this freaking laser that has like gravitational powers and you know like I, it's like I think that's where it also started to lose me a lot um I think his best moment um Jason Lee who plays him in the movie I think um Syndrome's best moment is when he talks about how if the world it's something a lot what was it again it was like the idea of if everybody has superpowers then when everyone's super no one will be yeah yeah (laughs) that part exactly like that that to me is 
um, the best moment for him because it totally crystallizes um, his motivations. It really, really helps to establish the film's theme and that uh, other avenue of social commentary as well. Um, but there's a conflict there because yet he's trying to make himself super even though he's not, which I think kind of goes against the grain on that. Hey everyone, sorry to interrupt, but this is the preview of our full review for the 2004 film The Incredibles, which you can listen to in its entirety if you subscribe to our Patreon page. For a minimum of $1 a month, you get this episode, along with other exclusive podcast episodes that we are recording for all of our subscribers. Do feel free also to subscribe to the Next Best Picture podcast on SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and also CastBox. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think of the show. As always, we shall see you all next time. Hey there! I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.